The Men's Room, a talk sport podcast in partnership with Toolstation. From masculinity to mental health, friendship to fatherhood, join Tom Skinner and Neil Razor Ruddock for the podcast that gets to the nuts and bolts of what it really means to be a man. Listen and follow now via your preferred podcast portal. The Men's Room, in partnership with Toolstation. Save 5% on everything you need for a whole month with the new Toolstation Club. Join today online, in-store or via the app. Yeah, hold that please, level 5, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi, nice to meet you. Hi, now the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what, sorry? The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe. And as always, I'll be joined by former England fast bowler Steve Harmison for what is going to be a really busy show. We'll discuss the latest on the Ashes, as uh, as far as we know, um, as the ECB have confirmed that they will make a decision later on this week uh, whether to send a squad. Uh, and we'll also get the view from Australia with Sydney Morning Herald's chief cricket writer, Malcolm Conn. As well as that, we'll look ahead to the start of the T20 World Cup and we'll hear from both Joss Butler and Timmel Mills. So, plenty to fit into the next hour. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2. Tommy, we've got to start with the Ashes um, because that's, that's the raging hot subject at the moment. A lot of people asking, will it go ahead? I think the more pertinent question is, will it finish? I think that somehow... Somehow it'll go ahead, it'll start, but will it finish? Yeah, that's a million dollar question. Will it finish or should it start? That for me is the, the big one. Should it start? If Australia is in such a place with their vaccination rollout of COVID and the border control is like what it is, then why should it start? I, I don't really, I don't get this. And I'm not saying this from, you know, from an arrogance point of view. If they can't, give us enough information that we're going to play five test matches, five different venues, cross borders, not going to be a problem, even for the team. We're talking about even the team struggling to get in and out of places. That for me tells me that there's too many red, there's too many red flashes. And should it start? Should we be, should we, should we be contemplating a series starting if it's not going to finish? Let's just be completely clear about something. The Sheffield Shield can't go ahead. The That's states, the problem. The states are not letting their own countrymen in. South Australia and Western Australia have tyrannical premiers. Queensland, the Tasmanian team last week flew back to Hobart when they had arrived in Brisbane because there were four cases of COVID. Four. So, I mean, the point is, if they can't organise the Sheffield Shield, why are they so cocky? about the Ashes going ahead. What's Tim Payne doing, saying the Ashes will go ahead whether Joe Root's here or not, we're starting on December the 8th? I mean, there's a, a lack of empathy just doesn't do it justice. Yeah, lack of empathy. I thought that was an idiotic comment. 
what is he playing at? Saying stupid things like that. You can look, man, as we all know, you know, the, we all know the Australians like to be a bit brash and you know, a bit a bit, you know, they've got the ego and we're gonna sort of front up and put our chest out and we're gonna try and run all over you. I thought Tim Payne's comment from an international captain last week about another international captain. I'm sorry, right? I might make that comment. A poor international captain in Tim Payne who who barely gets into his own side against one of the best batsmen that's ever played the game of cricket. Captain on his side, I thought that was so disrespectful. It was it was embarrassing to, more than anything else. For him to say that, I thought that was uh, it was not out of order. I just think it was it was typical. It was a typical Australian flipping comment, which has come which should come back to bite him on the backside because just look in the mirror, Tim. Look in the mirror. You've not gone anywhere. You have not gone anywhere to play cricket during the pandemic. Australia have not gone anywhere. You've played test matches in your own country. You're, 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 even your own teammates can't train with each other because they're from different states and they're not allowed to cross borders. So why why make a stupid comment like saying the Ashes will go ahead whether Joe Root comes or not? Embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. And I, I hope somebody that advises them tells him that he's made a mistake there. Because if he hasn't, and he's that egotistical to think that what he was saying was right from an international cricket captain, boy, there must be some serious things going on inside that lad's head. Just to be clear, Australia did uh, play white ball cricket in the West Indies and, and Bangladesh, but they sent pretty much a B team. Um, they have not played a single test match, apart from the four against India at home. England during the pandemic, have played 18 test matches, including tours to Sri Lanka and India. So uh, we're not comparing um, apples with apples um, when we talk about uh, the, the, the test participation of both teams. Let's just hear from Joss Butler, um, who's one of those players, along with Joe Root and a few others, um, who has serious concerns about uh, having his family with him, having just become a father for the second time recently. This is what he had to say a couple of uh, days ago. I'm sure it will go ahead. Um, no, fingers crossed it will go ahead in, in the best circumstances possible and, and families will be able to go and um, etc. We're just waiting for, for all that information. It's tough to make a decision um, when you don't know what decision you're making. Um, and also I think everyone's in a, a space where we would just want all that to be sort of taken care of so people can talk about the cricket. Um, you know, I think that's what we all want to talk about as sports people, as sports fans. Um, you know, the T20 World Cup, the Ashes are, are massive events um, and we don't want it to, and it kind of has to be in this day and age, yeah. but we don't want it too clouded by the circumstances around them and, and sort of more focus on, on the cricket. That was Josh Butler speaking with Booking.com, the official accommodation partner of the ICC T20 World Cup 2021. Harmi, you know as a, as a father, and I've also uh, had um, <laughs> young kids on tour once or twice, it, it's not easy. There's, there's discussion about, well, actually, I think it's a firm offer um, for the families who go at the beginning of the tour to quarantine in a resort on the Gold Coast uh, 50 miles outside of Brisbane. Um, and then those who want to go for Christmas and New Year will quarantine at a resort in the Yarra Valley outside Melbourne. But <laughs> I just don't know whether quarantine is going to work. I mean, uh, you know, for, for especially for young kids. Young kids, yeah. And that's the, 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 the beauty about being on tour. And if you do take your family, you, you, you desperately want to see them. You've spent a lot of time away from them naturally whether in this in, in in england or in or in australia or wherever you wherever you tour so when your family comes 
sometimes it's an, a little bit of an added pressure. There's added worries because you've got to make sure that your kids are off fine and everybody's made the trip safely and they get into the new surroundings and everything that goes with that. And Australia is a wonderful place. It's one of the best countries in the world to go and tour. Yes, it's going to be, it would be in, in quarantine, but it's what them, what, what the stipulations from the quarantine part of you is it to make it worth your family coming out there. And I don't buy this. Look, I think I'm, I'm a, one of the perfect ones to, to have comment on this because I've had my family for four of the five test matches in Brisbane from after Brisbane in 2006, seven, all the way through till the end of the test series. I had them there for that and it was great. But I also did 2002, three whole trip, October, all the way through till I think it was the end of, end of February where no family, my family didn't come because my wife was giving birth. So I've seen both sides of it and you want your family with you if you possibly can. Players now spend a hell of a lot of time away around the world and, and, and they should they should have their families there if they want to have their families there. And the families should be able to move freely with them as a whole package. And if they can't, I can understand why they're getting upset and irate because we've got a group of players now, maybe was it five or six players now, who get on a plane in the last 48 hours and they don't know if they're coming home in six weeks' time or in three months' time. Now, how then How then do you say to your kids who could be ranging from Jimmy Anderson's kids who are a little bit older or obviously a lot older than Josh Butler, Mark Wood? You know, they, they, these have got kids under three, under four. How do you say to your kids, you know, I don't know when I'm coming home. I don't know when I'm coming home. You know, I don't know if you're going to see me in the next six weeks. I don't know if you're going to see me in the next three months. And that, for me, from a, a father's point of view, I think that's that that emotionally, that's tough going as well. I just want to be very, very clear about about one thing, just in case anybody has any doubts. No England player is lukewarm about the about playing in the Ashes. You know, there's not that sort of ho hum kind of attitude. Oh, I'll, I'll just do another one. Let's hear from Joe Root. I mean, here is a man who's desperate to play the Ashes, desperate to make history. And away tour to Australia is one of those occasions that you're just desperate to be on. You know, look at position I'm in in my career it could be the last opportunity I get to go so it's something that you you're desperate to do you're desperate to to go and hopefully make history over there and um, and be part of something very special so um but you know until we have information it's it's very difficult to know where everything sits as you can hear there's no there's no as I say there's nothing lukewarm about Joe Root's attitude um by the way he's only 30 um he makes it sound like he's 35 um so, you know, I, I mean, I suppose the next Ashes will be in 34. You never know quite what you'll be doing. He, he's desperate to go, Harmy. I mean, he, you know, history, history's beckoning him. Players are desperate to go, Manners. If I'm a player in this environment, I'm desperate to go. It's not the same as I'm trying to go through my experiences. It's not the same as what happened out in India when, when, the, when the, the, the terrorist attack in, in, in Mumbai. We got, we got sent away, come home four or five days we end up in Dubai and there was a lot of talk during that time it was a lot of a lot of it with the onus was on Harmison and Flintoff if they go England go if they don't want to go England don't go and it was it wasn't like that nowhere near like that what the media portrayed I didn't even speak to Freddie for five days about whether it was going it was an individual decision whether but we were desperate to go I'm desperate to go I want to go back to play against India we're going to play in Chennai. We're going to play. We we want we want to go back to help people from India, but we want information to make sure that we're going to be safe going. 
are the are the whole package of India and England cricketers going to be safe when we get to Chennai for the game and everything that goes with it? We want information similar to this now. We want information as a player that I can comfortably go over across there, play all five test matches, my family do the same and come with me or not come with me, depending on what... I think what the problem is, there's, there's very little information or concrete information to steer what is going to happen when England arrive on Australian soil. And that, for me, as a player on the unknown, would be why I'm lukewarm. I'm desperate to go and play. I want to go and play against Australia. I want to go and beat them. Can you imagine being part of that team that beats Australia in Australia? You know, Sir Andrew Strauss's team were magnificent where they played. The team before that, Botham's team in 86, was it? This is this is history. Joe Root goes in there and wants to make history. So does Joss Butler. So does Jimmy Anderson. So does, they all want to do that. But you need to know what you're going into. And at this minute in time, they don't know what they're going into. And that, for, for, from a cricketing point of view, and the human element of it, is, is why the, 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 there's a lot of stories about whether it should go ahead or shouldn't go ahead. The added problem is, uh, do you believe them if they tell you what uh, to expect? They can't, they can't organise their own domestic game at the moment. Let's hear now from Malcolm Conn, the chief cricket writer of the Sydney Morning Herald, who I spoke to earlier today. Malcolm, um, you wrote a fabulous piece in the Sydney Morning Herald in which you made the rather obvious point that the Ashes have been around a lot longer than any individual. You've got 120-odd years of Ashes history um, and the idea that the product would somehow be devalued by England sending a weakened team was largely irrelevant. Is, would that sum it up accurately? I think I used the word nonsense. <laughs> it's, uh, the Ashes has a fine history uh, for all sorts of things, including people not touring or, in the case of Australia in 1978-79, the entire team not turning up because they were playing World Series cricket. So, And uh, England's uh, never bothered to sort of put an asterisk against sort of Greg Chappell not touring in 1981 or... Dennis Lilly and Ian Chappell not touring in 1977 or the entire Australian team missing in 78-79. So uh, I can't see how this is any different. I mean, we hope that they send their best team. We hope that Joe Root comes. Uh, we hope that Stokes is uh, able to get back on the park, although it doesn't seem likely. But uh, whoever they send will probably flog them anyway, so it won't make any difference. Do you really believe that, that they'll get flogged? Well, yes, I do, because if you look at the previous two Ashes series, uh, England have lost nine tests and drawn one. I think it rained and uh, haven't won any for a very long time. So uh, I suppose you've got to be a little bit careful with hubris in Australia at the moment, given that uh, Australia bowled India out for 36 in the first test in Adelaide and then went on to lose the series. So that was uh, a bit jarring. But uh, if you just look at England's batting lineup, there's probably only two blokes uh, in route and Stokes who deserve to come. The rest of them um, should consider themselves lucky if they get picked. <laughs> Um, it's interesting that Nathan Lyon said that uh, doing two weeks in, a, in quarantine before the tour and not seeing family members for two months is a small price to pay. It's interesting to me that it's a price that he hasn't had the opportunity to pay and hasn't paid. And in fact, Australia haven't paid a, played a test match outside of Australia since the pandemic hit. So does he have a right to say that kind of thing? Well, uh, no, Australia hasn't been in uh, in quarantine in that uh, in that instance. Um, players have uh, obviously played overseas in one-day tournaments or the IPL or whatever it might have been. Um, I don't think that's directly affected Nathan. But Nathan, as I understand it, did go through the Ashes tour 
uh, in 2019 without seeing his family because uh, there was um, uh, issues there which uh, he found quite difficult. So uh, that's what that's what he believes, and I can understand it. That uh, the Ashes is a big deal. You don't get many chances to play them, and you take those chances when you can. You've always been a person, in my experience, of uh, the last 25 years, who has actually cared very deeply about well-being of players, mental well-being, and indeed of, of your colleagues. Um, you, you, you're taking a very hard line. I mean, the, I know that there's a part of you that would be very sympathetic to the, the hardships that players have been uh, under in the last 18 months. Oh, I think it's been very difficult, and I think that uh, there are... At uh, times when um, the Australians have been uh, bubbled up, coming they uh, were begged by England to go to England and play a one-day series in September last year and uh, went over there. And according to uh, sources at Cricket Australia, that was worth about £80 million pounds to the, uh, the England Cricket Board. So I'm sure they're very grateful about that. Uh, and then when the players came back, they went into two weeks of hard quarantine and came straight out went into a uh, uh, bubble to play international cricket or state cricket. Uh, and then um, some of them bubbled up again to uh, to play in the big bash league. So they've certainly done quarantine. They've certainly done bubbles. And it's it's not easy. I understand, I've spoken to a number of players about it and it's not easy. And I understand any player at any time stepping away. If Joe Root feels for whatever reason that he can't come, it'll be a real shame. But uh, I can completely understand that if he feels that he has to spend time with his family. Um, it's a shame that the Ashes won't have him, but uh, the Ashes will go on. They're bigger than any one player. So while I do sympathise with players in these predicaments uh, and understand that uh, we hoped that uh, we wouldn't be going through them by now uh, after 18 months, I just think that uh, life goes on and that uh, those who can do it, do it, and those who can't, don't. But I don't see sitting around whinging about it for uh, days and weeks and months on end is going to do anyone any good. And Western Australia has always been a state unto itself. Um, there is talk that uh, that playing the fifth test in Perth will be a logistical challenge, if not impossible. I wouldn't be buying tickets for the fifth test in Perth. <laughs> or if you do, I'd be crossing the mountain, riding Hobart or Canberra on it. I'd be, I'd be very surprised the way things are going if the fifth test was played in Perth. Um, the, the Premier, McGowan, uh, won a record majority uh, recently, uh, by uh, being a, a hard taskmaster on borders. And so that sort of hasn't swayed his view on doing anything but being a hard taskmaster on borders. So he's saying they may not open up until April next year. So, and the West Australian Cricket Association realised it's going to be difficult. They look like missing a test for the second year in a row because of uh, COVID and the hard border closure, so, which is a shame. Um, be good to get England on that hard pitch. But Australia will play five tests and, and they'll find venues to play them at. And finally, um, Tim Payne said the Ashes will start whether Joe Root's here or not. Would you say that that's, what, 90%, 95%? What what chance do you think that there is a... Well, it's not going to be relocated, is it, the Ashes? But are you are you as high as 100% certain that they will start and take place on time? Well, it's as certain as I can be. I mean, barring an asteroid that's sort of uh, similar to the one that wiped <laughs> out the dinosaurs, I can't see the Ashes not taking place. It, that will happen. They may not be, you know, the strongest teams. They may not land exactly where we expect them to land uh, for, for what's been scheduled. But I'd say, by and large, the Ashfields will be played as scheduled with the possible exception of the Perth. That was uh, the Sydney Morning Herald's chief cricket writer, Malcolm Conn. He's well known for his pom bashing. And, uh, it, you know, well, it didn't take him long to get the word whinging in there. Um, he's absolutely bullish to the point of being cocky that the Ashes will go ahead. He says England 
will get flogged um, because they've been flogged in the last two series. But can I just ask you a question? If you were one of the players now, and it's a hypothetical answer maybe, but you can speculate more accurately than I can. If Cricket Australia said, come over, we'll do everything you want or as much as we can in terms of quarantine. Um, but look, we're not quite sure of the itinerary at the moment because as Malcolm said, you know, there's almost no chance of the Perth Test match taking place. And Adelaide is also seriously in doubt. Do Cricket Australia need... To, I mean, if, if you were a player and they, and they said, come over, we're going to do our best. We're, we're not sure where, where we're going to be playing. But, but you know, we'll, we'll make a plan. I would want to know the plan. We would want to know the plan before we go. It's as simple as that, because then we can put, you know, the, the relevant things in place. Do we take our family? Do we not take our family? You know, are we going to play four games or five games in two venues? That should be sorted by now. Simple as that. This pandemic's not going away. This, this, this pandemic's not going away. At this minute in time, Australia don't seem to have a plan. We've mentioned about first-class cricket in their country. Sheffield Shield getting cancelled left, right, and centre. So you know you're letting you're letting English, you're letting foreign people into your country. They don't want to even let their own. They don't want to even let their own nationals into their country at this moment in time. So how can you say? It? And this all comes down to money. You know there was an NRL final at the weekend there, fifty odd thousand in there in Brisbane. That's fine. Paid the money that went into the ground. There'll be an Ashes game in Brisbane. Get England in, they'll get 40,000, 30 odd thousand each day. They'll get the money that comes to it. This this is all about financial. That's why they need the ashes. For me, they should have a plan by now. And if it means that, yes, New South Wales can't go into Victoria and Victoria can't, yeah, and their premiers are, are so adamant that their state is going to be secure because of the citizens and we can't let people in, that's fine. That would be, I would, if I was the senior spokesman of my of ECB to my to, to the ECB, I say that's fine. Then just make provisions that we go somewhere else. If it means we have to play two tests in Brisbane, two tests in Sydney, and a test in Melbourne or a test in Hobart, and if I, if my if if the team knew that before they went out, then I think that I think the team would you know more a larger number would say yeah I'm fine I'm going with that because I know where I'm going like what ECB did last year. We're going from Southampton to Manchester. We're going from Manchester to Southampton. Our whole summer is going to be based in these two venues. Both got hotels on. Right, Australia, Pakistan, West Indies. Do you want to come? And can you play under these terms and conditions? They said yes. We had a full summer. At this minute in time, we are, what, eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12? Well, I don't know what it is from the ashes. And we have now, we have now got first-class cricket not even being played in, that, in, in Australia because premiers won't let people cross borders. That, as a player, is why I'm turning around to my board, ECB, and saying, we don't even know where we're going. And that's why, that's why I'm 100% behind the players at this moment in time when they're, when, when they're hicking about going to Australia because they don't know what's going on. Yeah, it's, it's eight weeks. It's, 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 it really is eight weeks. You know, the, this was a thought that um, I, I've had and you've had uh, for the last couple of weeks, really, um, certainly over the last couple of days, as the situation ramps up. And Scott Taylor, our producer, put this point to, to Timmel Mills, um, which is how much of a distraction will the uncertainty about the Ashes, even, even if it's confirmed in the next couple of days that they are going and Chris Silverwood picks his squad, there's so much uncertainty, and there will be, um, during the T20 World Cup. So did Timmel Mills think that uh, that might be a distraction? I'd like to think not. 
that nobody in this team's you know young and naive and, and can get caught up in those things. I wouldn't have thought guys are you know well versed in, in what's going on. And as you say, it's, it's a World Cup. It's um, it's it's a massive deal. And and whilst we are there, I'm sure everybody will be fully dialed in to that. And then you know, kind of whatever happens after that will happen after that. But um, yeah, like I've I've got no doubt that the guys will come together. And um, yeah, we'll we'll be full fully focused on the World Cup. Well, I mean, he he would say that, but I, it must be a distraction. Uh, you just point, you just touched on just quickly, Harm. You, you touched on the point yourself, is that the multi-format players are going to be packing bags for for either a month and a half or three and a half months. Yeah, and it it it, it will have a little bit on the mind, but not not much when it comes to competition time practices oh yeah that that's gone I've got no interest you know I'm running in 22 yards away somebody's going to try and whack me out of out my, out my net I'm going to have to learn you know to get back into the groove of slower balls bouncers Yorkers you name it I'm doing it night times you know it could, it could keep them entertained for a little bit to be fair at night times because there are going to be discussions and back and forward with the governing body and you know your player spokesman um, and your leader and your leader is not your leader that's going to Australia, but he's a good man. And I would imagine Owen Morgan, even though he's not going to Australia, will have empathy towards the players that are in this position at this moment in time. But I also think you would have, because he's such a great leader and leadership qualities, he'd be there for his players, knowing that, giving them the right sound advice. And also, I would imagine Owen Morgan would be in contact with Joe Root helping and advising Joe on what's best outcome for the England cricket team going forward. And that, I think, is very, very important, not only for Owen Morgan and the T20 World Club squad, because it's natural, it's human. We're going to have these thoughts about what's going to happen with the Ashes. But he's also going to manage a team to go and win a T20 World Cup with players who have got that hanging over them. So I think Morgan is going to be crucial in that. And I don't think there's a better man to, to have on your side if you're a Mark Wood if you're a uh, Joss Butler, Johnny Bairstow, people that are probably multi-format players that are going, I think you've got a good leader at this moment in time with you right now when these decisions are going to be made, even though you're properly, or you're, yet you are a leader for the, for the tour in Joe Root is going to be back in England. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and the great Steve Harmison. And next up, we'll turn our attention to the T20 World Cup, which starts next week. You're listening to the Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with the Institute of Cricket. The Men's Room, a talk sport podcast in partnership with Toolstation. From masculinity to mental health, friendship to fatherhood, join Tom Skinner and Neil Razor Ruddock for the podcast that gets to the nuts and bolts of what it really means to be a man. Listen and follow now via your preferred podcast portal. The Men's Room, in partnership with Toolstation. Save 5% on everything you need for a whole month with the new Toolstation Club. Join today online, in-store, or via the app. Yeah, hold that, please. Level 5, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to The Cricket Collective on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. If you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast, now available on the following on feed, on the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. England uh, have been favourites for the T20 World Cup ever since they won the the 50-over World Cup, I think it's fair to say, Um, alongside India. They're very hard to to separate those those two. Um, I, I guess... Uh, the IPL, the fact that the whole Indian squad has been playing in the IPL uh, can give them a, an advantage. There's only a, a handful of Englishmen um, and poor old Owen Morgan has uh, been desperately short of runs for the Kolkata Knight Riders. But are you still are you still making India and England favourites? Yeah, I'm still making England and, and India favourites. I had the West Indies until I seen the squad. <laughs> I thought the West Indies might have been a, a handful, but they're going back to... To how Jason Holder's not in that squad, I do not know. I think it's typical West Indies. But my my left field one is, I think Pakistan could take some beating. They're, they're playing T20 at this moment in time. They're playing a lot of cricket, they're Pakistan players. Um, Babar Azam is in a ridiculous form. He got 100 the other week, he got 50 again, I think, this week. Shahshain Afridi, another one who's taking wickets out in Pakistan. So for me, they're playing and they're playing some good cricket. When the show goes out, it's it's Imran Khan's birthday. And what did he say about wounded tigers and the way Rabi, uh, Rami's Raja talked about New Zealand leaving and, and England leaving and not coming? Pakistan will be really up for the fight in the UAE, wanting to, to win that tournament. So if, there'll be a decent price. I would uh, I, That would be my outside bet. But I think the team that, that knocks England out or knocks India out will go on to win it because... I think them two are, are head and shoulders in white ball cricket ahead of, of the rest. I think India are, are favourites, England just second favourites. But, you know, a little bit of luck, a bit of brilliance. That's what T20 needs to win games. And I think England have got players in their group of 15 that have got brilliance all the way through, whether it's, you know, players that coming off the bench that potentially could have a, a part to play in the latter form of the, uh, part of the tournament if somebody isn't hitting their straps. Um, you mentioned the captain. I don't think this will be affecting him too much, what's happening with KKR at this moment in time. I think once he gets three lines back on his chest and he walks out to bat with Butler or Bairstow or players of, of, of Roy's class going hard at the top. Owen Morgan needs time when he goes out to the middle. And I think at this minute in time, he's, he's going into firefight quite a bit for KKR. England get off to a good start. Roy smashed it. Bairstow smashes it. Butler smashes it. All of a sudden, it's a different Owen Morgan. So I back the captain. I really do. I think he's going to have a good tournament. I think not just in leadership skills, but I think he will have a good tournament with the bat. I think he's saving his runs for England. So fingers crossed on that point of view. And we've got bowlers who can make a difference. Um, and the one that one that we, we've, we've just heard from and we'll hear from again soon, Tamal Mills. I think that's been a, that was a great selection. Not only to get him in the squad, but being fit and firing enough to get to get him in a position to be selected, 
I think he gives England um, a, a whole new dimension when it comes to left arm quick and balls at the death. Well, Josh Butler says that uh, England are in a good place. There's no Ben Stokes, there's no Joffrey Archer, but uh, he reckons that they uh, still have the players to win the World Cup. That's the aim. Um, I think we go there as a side full of confidence. I think um, you know, four years ago, you know, the sort of start of our cycle in that T20 team when we managed to get to the final. I think if you look down that list now, um, guys with a, a lot of experience, um, played in a lot of franchise tournaments, whether it's IPL, Big Bash. Um, you bring that, all that information and experience together um, for the team that's going to the World Cup now. I think we're in a great spot. That was Josh Butler speaking with Booking.com, the official accommodation partner of the ICC T20 World Cup. It's been uh, a long time, if ever, actually. I'm just trying to... <laughs> I wonder, do you think we've ever not spoken or people have n- not spoken, not mentioned... Australia and South Africa before a, 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 a World Cup of any an ICC event because this is the first time we've mentioned them as as prospects. So are we completely writing them off? I, I'm, you can never write Australia off because of the characters that we mentioned. Yeah, the way I had a go at Tim Payne, but the way Tim Payne came out and spoke, that's what makes Australia. That's what makes them a great nation in all sports, whether it's rugby, whether it's cricket. Um, at, at, at all sports because they have this way of, of sticking their chest out and believing they're better than anybody else. And sometimes when they make their mouths go, you know, they, they, they do tend to say things that, you know, they're, they're very, very bullish. And that for me tends to think I wouldn't rule them out. But when you look at, you read what their their story is, you know, somebody like Mitchell Stark, he's been, he's been traveling around with the women's side because obviously his wife's playing for, um, for for the Australian side against against India, and I think he's had a little bit of bowling, not a great deal of bowling. You know, players of, I think Adam Zampa, he he lives something like four hundred kilometres from Sydney. You know, he can't get into Sydney to practice. Byron Bay, the surfing yeah, Byron Bay, Australia. yeah, and he and he and he can't. It's right, it's on the Queensland border, and he can't get into Queensland <laughs> to practice. So he's yeah. How is how is he going to be in the art of the art of of wrist spin so that's just two two examples and they'll have 15 examples like that and they've got a few in the IPL but they've not got many so it's going to be interesting to see what what Australia turn up South Africa again a bit like Pakistan they've, played, they've been playing a, a small amount but not much and you know their preparation has been been all over the shop so I still think England and India are just ahead of Pakistan and I think there could be a team comes out of the qualifying. There really could be a team that comes out of the qualifying and does well because they'll have been playing cricket. Sri Lanka are in the qualifying. That might help Sri Lanka and cricket that the the, the player five or four or five games before they get to the big boys if they qualify. You know the Netherlands have got a decent side when it comes to you know the emerging nations. Can they come out of the pack, hit the ground running, and catch one of the big teams that haven't been preparing well? Because it just needs, like I mentioned before, it just needs a moment of brilliance. Somebody getting 60 off 30 balls you know, to win a game, blow it to get, to get a 170, 180, which will be too much against a team that haven't been preparing or haven't had a chance to prepare that well, being in quarantine. I, I think it could be the first few games of the World T20 could be a couple of surprises. Sri Lanka won't get out of the uh, the, the pre-qualifying. I think they're going to struggle. Um, I hmm. I. I said a couple of weeks ago, look out for Namibia. Um, Albie Morkel is part of their setup, and they've had some incredible results. You know, they've beaten a couple of champion South African 
uh, provincial sides. Um, they've beaten a Zimbabwe and a South African emerging 11, which were very, very strong teams. So look out for Namibia. And uh, you're not prepared to write Australia and South Africa off. I, I will. I am. Because <laughs> you need to win five out of seven games minimum. Um, and then you need a really good net run rate. To, uh, so, so I think you probably need to win six out of seven. And, you know, South Africa have got some, they've got a very strong bowling lineup with Anrich Nokia and Cajiso Rabada and some very good spinners. So they are good at defending, but they, they lack runs. Um, and, uh, you know, that I, David Miller hasn't really been playing in the IPL. So Australia, I think, are at their weakest in white ball cricket for 20 years. Yeah. Um, I, I honestly, uh, you just look at the team and, for the first time in, in my career, you, you look at it and there's no one that is intimidating. Um, you know, Mitchell Stark used to be pretty intimidating. You know, he was um, he was right at the top of his game. Hasn't been for, for a number of years now. So I, I don't think those two have much of a chance at all. Uh, let's hear more from Tim Will Mills, who's told TalkSport that he wants to cement his place in the T20 side after his uh, his wonderful recall after the injury problems that he's had. He last played for England in 2017. Um, and as I said, he's been speaking to our producer, Scott Taylor, began by discussing that injury record and the need to prove his fitness at the highest level. I always believed that I was good enough to get back in the mix and play at that level. As I've said in, in interviews many times, it's just been a case of being able to prove that I was fit enough to to kind of, be selectable um, that's something that I haven't done up until up until this year so um, yeah for me it was just a case of using the the platform that the blast and the hundred gave me this summer to hopefully prove that I can you know back up performances back up games and and then put in the performances um, when I can. What's your mindset heading into the, the T20 World Cup just you've spoken quite a lot about the journey about wearing the back braces all you could do was go out for walks etc this time last year now you're at a T20 World Cup so is it a case of I've got nothing to lose or is there a determination to keep the shirt or maybe a bit of both? Yeah, look, I want to, I want to play. I, I, I want to get in the side. I want to, you know, I, I, as, as all the play, all the lads will be, I want to play in every game, but obviously only 11 can play. So yeah, first job's just to, to get out there and, and, and reintegrate myself back into the team and, become part of the squad again. And then um, once training starts, just give a good account of myself, both, you know, with the ball, you know, fielding, batting, all those all those other bits as well. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just looking forward to it. I'm, I've worked hard to get here, but, you know, now that I'm here, I want to, you know, I want to get in the get in the 11 and stay in the 11 and and, and tr- hopefully try and win a World Cup. Obviously, not many players um, in any sport get the opportunity to, to go to a World Cup and to play in, in these tournaments. So, I'm, I'm really happy to to obviously be here, but you know, obviously, I'm I'm, I'm not just going to settle for for being on the plane. I want to try and try my best to get into the eleven. Also, that was Timmel Mills talking to uh, Scott Taylor. Um, Harmy, a lot of people will be listening uh, to this, thinking, "Why the hell haven't they mentioned New Zealand, the Black Caps?" Well, there's a good reason for that because um, we've got a little clip from the head coach Gary Stead, who says that their aim at the minimum, is to reach the last four. Every tournament you go in, you, you go in with high hopes and hope to win games and put yourself in a position to to achieve that. Um, I, I guess our, our first one is just it's focusing on a game at a time, but uh, the, the main goal, I think, is to get to that semi-final stage. And if you get there, you know you're only two wins then away from a the title. But we're in a tough pool. 
I genuinely think there's six, seven, eight teams that could win this tournament. And, and I guess that's, that's good for world cricket as well. That was New Zealand's uh, Black Caps coach, uh, Gary Stead. I think he's being conservative. Um, I mean, yeah, everybody wants to reach the, top, the semifinals, obviously. But I just wrote a piece, actually, a couple of days ago about the uh, Black Caps. I was looking at their squad. And any team that can afford to leave Colin Monroe out is, I mean, you, they have got every single base double covered. Yeah, they have, and they they probably are the, the fourth place side in my in my group with Pakistan, New Zealand. They've got a fantastic side, you know. Trent Bolt, probably the pick of the the IPL seamers um, over the last four or five years, I would say, from Mumbai Indians. And this guy fronts up when the big occasion comes. We've seen it for New Zealand, but we've also seen it in the IPL in 2020. You know, they're they're a very very good together unit. You wouldn't say they've got massive, like, super superstars, you know, going to crash the ball, sixes and fours. But all of a sudden, you play against New Zealand, you play against 11 men of New Zealand, you play a collective New Zealand. You mentioned all bases covered. have got all 20 overs covered with the ball and they've got what they need with the bat to get them with a the score. So, and when, you, when you're in the field, you know, you feel as though you're playing against the whole unit. So, typical New Zealand. And I think if they get off to a good start... They've got a chance to go. It's all about the start for me, manners, because not a lot of players have been playing because of what's been happening in the world with a pandemic. So for me, it's all about the start. And T20 is such a game where you have players that can get on a roll. Very, very difficult to stop these teams. You know, all of a sudden, if an opening batsman comes out, gets 50 off 30 balls in his first game, gets 50 off sort of 30 balls in his second game, and then goes on to get 70, 80, 90 or 100 in the next game, well, that batsman should, in theory, win the win the game for his side, and you know, New Zealand have got them them players at the top of the order that can do that. Yeah, they do, and they've got a history of uh, using South Africans much better than South Africa do. They've got Glenn Phillips and Devon Conway at the top of yeah. the order. They're <laughs> very, very capable of scoring very we, quickly. We 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 can't laugh because we've used the South Africans very well in our in our history of our <laughs> cricket. So sitting here with a 2005 memorabilia behind me. And if it wasn't for a certain South African, it might have been gone back to Australia. <laughs> Let's turn our attention to county cricket now. And we've, uh, I think, it, we, you know, largely we, we've had a, a lot of fun and satisfaction covering um, the championship this year. Now, there's a proposal from the ECB, which has been put to the counties to run the Royal London One Day Cup alongside the 100 uh, next season, which will make things a little less congested. Uh, the counties, I understand, wanted a return to two divisions, 10 in the first division, eight in the second with, with uh, promotion relegation. And they wanted that next year, but they were persuaded that COVID is still likely to be a factor, as you said, you know, <laughs> um, in six months' time. So the proposal is that we go back to two divisions in 2023, and the future of the Bob Willis Trophy uh, is uncertain, but we'll talk about that in a moment. Your, your thoughts, first of all, about the, the proposal to the counties, which it looks like they will accept. Yeah, I, I think the Royal London going alongside, uh, the Royal London, I thought, was great for to get young players playing, get them playing in front of a crowd, more of a crowd than you would get them in first-class cricket, playing a bit more high-pressured cricket because it's one-day stuff and it's a bit... It's faster. I like to try and test the temperament of young players in one-day cricket because you have to think quickly, you have to react, um, and then you have to. You know, your skill, your skill sets have got to be 
constantly evolving very, very quickly in a in a, in a fifty over game. Uh, I didn't like the fact that they were going to play the hundred. They were going to play the championship at the same time as the hundred. I don't. I, I think there's a lot more. There's a lot more skill to play in four day cricket. I think mentally you've got to be a lot more tougher. And I think from a, a development point of view, I think a lot more players that play a hundred would play first class cricket as well. So I think you'd be devaluing first class cricket in the country. So I'm pleased of they've held back off that. I didn't like the three conferences when it went to the second part, which was the last four games. I didn't mind it for the first 10. I think the point system for the last four games has to change. You know, there was more onus on the last four as it was at the first 10. You know, I look at, for example, my team, Durham, you know, the only team to beat the county champions and there was less points. You know, the, the, the points weren't, you know, I, I, just didn't, I just didn't like the way it was. On that, and I think if that changes, that could be for the better. I'd rather go back to two divisions. I really would, because I thought when the when it comes to the last four games, there was what twelve sides playing for nothing. Bob Willis Trophy. I want to see that steer. I really do. I want it. We unfortunately this year the game was gone in the first hour by twelve o'clock on day one. Twelve for six games gone. History. You can't just kick something into touch because of an hour of madness by a team who got blown away. Condition suited Warwickshire to go and knock Lancashire over. I thought the year before was a fantastic final, you know, between Somerset and Essex. One of the great, great, one of the greatest players that's ever played the game for England got a hundred in that final. So I'd like that to steer. I really would. Money talks. You know, can they get a sponsor? Can they put a financial reward on it, which makes it a better contest? You know, not so much a better contest, a more powerful contest. I would. I, I, and another thing. Having worked with a great man, I would be so disrespectful to the man himself, Bob Willis, for it to be scrapped after two years. I would hate that to happen. I really would. For what he did for the country from a playing point of view, for what he did for the country from a broadcasting point of view, for that to be scrapped after two years for me would be it would be horrendous. I would hate that to happen. I really would. You know, for me, I, I want it to stay because I want it to to be a spectacle for the great man. And you know, fingers crossed that it, it can be. Quick shout out to Luke Fletcher, who was uh, won the County Championship Player of the Year award for his 66 wickets at 15. Uh, to Harry Brook, um, who uh, won the Young Cricketer of the Year award, and to Sophia Dunkley, who's uh, had a terrific season with uh, Surrey, the Southeast Stars, and and uh, the Southern Brave, of course, in uh, the Women's Hundred. Um, final word this week goes to Michael Holding, just because it's so wonderful to listen to his voice. Um, he was presented with the Cricket Writers Club. Uh, Peter Smith Award, which recognises an outstanding contribution to the presentation of cricket to the public. And this is what uh, the great man had to say about uh, the ECB and their decision to pull out of the tour to Pakistan. They were going for four days. Pakistan went to England before vaccines were available for six or seven weeks, something like that. They quarantined for two weeks in a Mickey Mouse hotel. I don't want people to think that they were desperately in a, in a very bad hotel, but it wasn't the hotel that they were promised where they were very comfortable. They stayed, they played their cricket. They were in this bubble, which I was in that bubble. You were in that bubble, Ali. And yes, it wasn't fantastic, but it was better than going out into the society where, the, where we know COVID was and without any vaccinations available to anyone. And yet they stayed, they played, they honoured what England wanted them to honour, to, to save England's butt, put it mildly. So did, so did the West Indies. And then you have an opportunity now to 
try to repay to a small degree what Pakistan did. What that signal sends to me is the same Western arrogance. I will treat you how I feel like treating you. It doesn't matter what you think. I will just do what I want. Four days in Pakistan, I'm absolutely sure they would not have done that to India. But you know why, Ali? Because India is rich and powerful. This game is not being managed by the people responsible for managing the game. What they are trying to do is manage the money that the game can bring in, not the game. And that is very disappointing. I am very disappointed in it. I'm very disappointed in people running it and people managing it. And I won't miss it when I go. That was a great Michael Holding speaking to the Cricket Writers Club. He didn't hold back. Uh, did he? He's never been a fan of T20 cricket um, and has never commentated on it. Not never, not once. But um, do you, is that what he was referring to? Do you think the the growth yeah. and the preeminence of T20 cricket? I think he was, and he says he doesn't like the way the world of cricket is going. Unfortunately, that's where the money is going, Mikey. And uh, whether you like it or not, this is reality. And uh, you know, when you listen to people like that talk, you know, it is quite alarming because of what he's seen over the course of a. 20, 30-year commentary, commentary um, career, which is a magnificent one at that. Um, and, you know, you're talking about pulling out of Pakistan. He might have a point, to be fair, man. He might just have a point. Uh, yes, I think uh, he does. Uh, to hear more of Michael Holding, by the way, you can listen back to the My Sporting Life episode he did with Danny Kelly, which was released on the following on feed on Friday. So uh, do check that out. That's all we've got time for, Harmi. Thank you uh, once again for um, for leading uh, this week. You've been listening to the Cricket Collective on Talksport Two, with me, Neil Manthorpe, and former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. Don't forget to subscribe for more content like this. If you missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast now available via the free Talksport app or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back at the same time next week. This has been the Cricket Collective on Talksport Two. The Men's Room, a talk sport podcast in partnership with Toolstation. From masculinity to mental health, friendship to fatherhood. Join Tom Skinner and Neil Razor Ruddock for the podcast that gets to the nuts and bolts of what it really means to be a man. Listen and follow now via your preferred podcast portal. The Men's Room, in partnership with Toolstation. Save 5% on everything you need for a whole month with the new Toolstation Club. Join today online, in-store or via the app. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertzen the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertzen the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.